Clarendon Avenue Road. It's a nice little area of Toronto, you know. I, I mean, uh, yeah, but like not to go back three times for like <laughs> no reason. Not when everything's when fucking closed. And there's nothing. That was the worst <laughs> part, right? So we're sitting up there and I'm waiting for Paul. And either like you can't find parking on the consulate grounds or like if you can find parking on the consulate grounds, like where do you, if I, I'm sitting outside for like an hour and a half while he's in line. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pee. Where do I go pee? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, these are the questions you actually have to ask yourself now. Like, I can't just go to Timmy's up the street and just like rock a piss anymore, right? Because Timmy's is fucking closed. Yeah. Or if it's open, it's drive through only at best, right? No, the one I've been to a couple that have been like, uh, like the the dining area is closed, but you can like walk in and and order and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone I saw looked pretty closed, and I was like, oh shit, I don't know what to do here. So yeah, <laughs> that was that was a rough that was the rough part about that both times or three, all three times so. yeah they were they let us use the bathroom in the consulate this time around though although they only have like two windows open one and only one of them is for visa applications so like you really do have to get there as soon as possible or you will be stuck it outside and i was still waiting quite a long time outdoors and it's fucking it's may 8th and it's four degrees celsius outside like what the fuck yeah God damn it it's just <laughs> terrible so yeah Hopefully the Korean consulate adventures are finished until I actually have to pick up my passport with the visa inside of it. And yeah, yeah so that'll hopefully just be it. Yeah. Finished. I still have to get my criminal background check, but that's an easy one. That's just in Mississauga. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. All right. Should we get started? Welcome yeah. to uh, Dance Robot Dance, episode 198. This is a show where we talk about all things geeky, nerdy, etc. Because we're all a bunch of simps or whatever. I don't know. That's the new. <laughs> it's the new term. Whatever. Is it? Well, what is that? Like the new cuck? It's the new cuck. Yeah, simp is the new cuck. So yeah, NPC. Yeah, NPC. Get on board, guys. <laughs> As we three NPCs travel through the world of Neo Tokyo. Yeah, today. this week we're weebs. Yeah, we are super weeaboo. <laughs> so we've got some. We've got some news in no particular order. First of all. Marvel Comics is publishing comic books again, starting in late May, so that all of you physical comic book collectors can unclench your hindquarters, because there will be comic books again. Except uh, none of the fucking comic stores in Canada are open, so yeah, where no. the fuck am I supposed to go get comics from, guys? Where am I supposed to do, like, curbside pickup for comic books, for my fucking visible, physical comic books? If any of our listeners know somewhere in Toronto that I can get comics, or, like, have them shipped to me temporarily let me know jesus i just picturing tim in a back alley and some guy with a trench coat and on the <laughs> inside lining there's just like amazing fantasy number 15 but like like some like, copy just of like, it or whatever i'm just like scratching my arms and she's like God, i need it i need it <laughs> i'd be the best if like the only thing that guy carried was marvel and image books too just watch tim have a nervous <laughs> fucking breakdown in only the only indie books yeah. he's like i've got i got one batman but you're gonna have to blow me to get it you know what i mean like <laughs> I've got all kinds of Valiant comics. Uh, all the Valiant you want. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross. I'll, I'll pay you to take them away. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, man? Bloodshot came out and did... Oh, yeah. COVID-19 happened, so like Bloodshot yeah. did nothing. Not that it was going to do anything. Oh, yeah. It definitely was going to do real well if COVID-19 hey, did not happen. Vin Diesel, you never know. <laughs> looked like such a piece of garbage. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So next piece of news I saw was uh, James Wan, who has directed a lot of geeky stuff and actiony stuff, is teaming up with the writer from John Wick to make a time traveling cop movie. 
Are they casting Jean-Claude Van Damme as the time traveling cop? Jeez, I hope so. <laughs> so we can have more more gratuitous Jean-Claude Van Damme butt shots cuz hey, I'll man. take those any day of the week. If we're not doing that then that's a that's money on the table, I feel like. He needs <laughs> to be in that movie somehow. Yeah. <laughs> doing the splits somewhere, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. So James Wan, he's like he's he's all right, I guess. I'm not like wild about all of his movies, but John I finally saw John Wick with Mark like a, cu- a couple weeks ago. When was that? Like a month ago? I don't it's, remember. It's fuck, I don't know. Time, time, has, time, has, time has no meaning yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and I enjoyed the first John Wick film quite a bit. So maybe I would like to watch more of those John Wick films. Well, there's still two left that are downstairs waiting for you if you ever want to watch them. So Yeah. yeah. They are not super high priority. but um, <laughs> So here's a uh, headline that I thought was Tim. Um, man arrested in Florida after trying to quarantine on Disney's Discovery Island. I thought that Tim had escaped his uh, sister's basement and just decided, fuck it, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah, we're all, we're all going to die anyway. If I'm going to die, I'm dying in Disney. <laughs> no, it Sounds was, like Tim. Yep. It, was definitely, it was definitely a Florida man story. <laughs> yeah. But I did see that. <laughs> it yeah, was... 42-year-old man was found living out uh, the quarantine of his dreams in the faux tropical paradise. Yeah, that's just that's just a fun that's, story. I and that shit's it. been closed for years. Like I've never even been out there because it closed like well before I started like regularly going to Disney. Wait, so this is like a closed part of the park, and this guy was like squatting in it? Yeah. This guy's my fucking hero now. Yeah. Like that's oh, I thought it was just like a regular like he just no. broke into like the regular part of the park. No. So he like broke into the park and then broke into like a part of the park you can't get to. Yeah. Well, I mean it but that happens a lot. It's not like in any of the parks. It's like mm. just in sort of a resort. Like it's on Disney World property, but it's not within any of the theme parks. Okay. It, it used to be this like little area where you could go and like take some classes and shit and like I think they had like some animal enclosures and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just sort of like a here's something else you can do because there were only like one or two parks at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of like maybe like a little half-day attraction or something. Yeah. Still though, that's pretty baller of this guy to be able to break in and like squat there for however long he ended up squatting there. Yeah. There's been a lot of weird, like sort of behind the scenes, Disney shit like that. The last, well, I mean, last couple of years, I'd say yeah. like, there was this uh, guy that like stole a bunch of uh, like costumes and like an animatronic and was like trying to sell it on eBay. And there was a few, this is going back even further. There's this like closed water park called Disney or river country and people like snuck into it and they closed it down because like the story goes, it got like infested with like brain eating amoeba. Nice. Yeah. And so these people like went around and were like taking all these pictures and video of, of like this 20 year old, like 20 year closed decaying fucking water park and shit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of YouTube channels that are dedicated to the urban exploring of uh, closed Disney parks. I guess that's like a, it's a sub genre of like the Disney parks review kind of even even just like theme or amusement parks in general there's a lot of people that that do that kind of stuff yeah yeah and uh i've seen a couple of them only because uh i watch jenny nicholson's videos and she's a huge Mm. disney parks person so yeah uh let's see what's next westworld season three finished this week i didn't watch it because i haven't seen any of like most of season two <laughs> i haven't finished the finale yet I, i'm like only like maybe 10 minutes into it but mm-hmm. uh i mean i've really liked this season so far i think it may have maybe peaked a little early which is 
which is all right, right? Like, you know, you look at like the Game of Thrones seasons, like they would, some of the best seasons there would like peak, uh, like, a, you know, two or three episodes before the end of the season. Then yep. you get like a couple episodes of like really interesting sort of character building detente and that sort of thing. So, yeah, they would, uh, yeah, they would do a lot of place setting for the next season often. Yeah. And so the, uh, just putting the characters where they need to be for the, the next storyline. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, from w- the reviews that I've seen for this episode of Westworld, though, people have not like it's been kind of lukewarm like some people really liked it and some people were just kind of meh about it but Mm. i will get back into the series eventually i've been talking about it almost every week and i kind of want to (laughs) watch it just because evan rachel wood and thandy newton are in it they're great and they finally get some like face-to-face time this is like significant face-to-face time this season in a pretty badass way so yeah yeah so i definitely need to see that Let's see, what else? Mandalorian Season 2 is going to feature everyone's favorite bounty hunter, Boba Fett. And the rumor is that it will be the actor who played Jango Fett, who is... Tamora Morrison. Morrison. Yeah. That's not, and that's not rumor. That's like Hollywood Reporter oh. and like Screen Rant are like, yeah, like that's Reporting. official. He's going to be yeah. coming back to play it. So that's cool. Yeah. Was it like, I guess the theory was that the uh, person who... Uh, approached Ming-Na Wen's body at the end of that not-so-great episode of The Mandalorian was actually Boba Fett. So Mm. that could be. be. We'll see. I mean, for starters, they said, like, it's a pretty minor role. And secondly, like, I'm just assuming that this is going to be a flashback. Mm. I'm not even assuming it's going to be, like, modern Boba Fett. It's just going to be, like, some flashback to whatever. I can't even remember the Mando's actual name anymore, but, like, his training or or upbringing or something like that on Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah, it could be be it. And I'd be into that 100%. Like, give me me some... uh some flashbacks and, and all that stuff Let's see what else rick and morty season four part two premiered this week and i watched the episode twice and it jesus was that was a that was a meta fucking nightmare is what it was it was and i, en- <laughs> I enjoyed the meta nightmare of it i appreciate tv shows that hate their fan base but take the piss <laughs> in a very creative way and that's what rick and morty's doing right now mm-hmm like a lot of the things that were in the original trailer for this season played out in just this episode as like out of continuity bullshit. So it was pretty hilarious. So nothing matters. And Rick and Morty knows that. So enjoy your <laughs> part two season premiere or whatever. Uh, let's see. I, Charlie Brooker said that we're too depressed for more Black Mirror, so we're not getting a season six. Um, he said not that yet. the world is in too too shitty of a place right now to talk about how shitty of a world it is. So he just doesn't really have anything for us, which, yeah. It's fair. Fair. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could handle yeah, like even an episode of Black Mirror right now. So, uh, yeah, that would be... Yeah. That's good. Good for him. I think that's that's probably a wise decision. Maybe like that Christmas episode that was like you know yeah. somewhat uplifting, or the uh, uh, well, even even that one that was uh, what San Junipero. That one was like yeah. mildly uplifting, but still yeah. pretty fucking depressing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe this the Black Mirror is the friends we made along the way, or the virus we we got infected by along the way. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Let's see, one more piece of news that I have is that Kate Blanchett uh, will be starring in the Borderlands movie as Lilith, and there's a That's Borderlands movie. So, fucking crazy. Or Eli Roth Borderlands yeah. movie. 
Yeah. <sighs> Boy, I mean, I'm not like the biggest Eli Roth fan to begin with, and but I do love Kate Blanchett and everything she's in. So I'll watch. I'm gonna watch it because Kate Blanchett's in it. I don't even really care that much about Borderlands. Like those games are fun. I've I've played them on PC, not Borderlands three yet, but I played the first two, and and I mean she usually picks pretty good roles for the most part. So I like mean, if she's looked at the script and been like, yeah, this looks you know pretty good, then. Yeah, I mean, she was also in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. But. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she was also she was in Thor Ragnarok, and I liked her in that. I feel yeah. like she's got a good she's got a good sense for um, maybe I don't know. Maybe she's trying to get her her next like Furiosa moment. She wants to like be serious action star like Charlize Theron. So maybe. hey, let's see. We'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, one more thing, we got gameplay. Uh, trailers for the Xbox Series X, so we got to see some gameplay graphics quality, and it looked looked pretty good. Looking pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of like controversy. But a lot of it was like pre-render stuff. Um, I guess they kind of dropped, they overhyped it versus what they actually had. But mm-hmm. I'm excited to see some of that stuff. Like it lo- all looks great, but I mean, it all depends on like what the tech breakdowns are at the end, really. So yeah, we'll see. I'm excited for the new generation. Like that looks it looks exciting. So yeah, all those new toys. So many new toys. Yeah. Does anybody have anything else before we move on to our next segment? There was the other Star Wars stuff. Like well, it was, it was May the Fourth since we last recorded. Right. Uh, Star Wars Day, and uh, on that day, Disney announced that Taika Waititi is making a Star Wars movie. Mm. So, which I think had been kind of rumored before, but now it's like super officially announced. They haven't said anything about when it's going to be or anything like that, but that's Taika playing around in the Star Wars universe. Sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, he already uh, directed one or two episodes of of Mandalorian, so. Yeah. Well, Taika Waititi has been uh, attached to another project, which is very closely related (laughs) to our our meat of the episode, and that didn't come to fruition at all. So I'm going to hold, I'm not going to hold my breath. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Taika, Taika likes to throw his hat into a lot of rings and like kind of see if they actually become oh. shows. Kind oh, of wow. Thing, so. a, geek, a geek fan favorite director who likes to announce a lot of projects that never come to fruition. That sounds like somebody I remember. What's his name? Del Toro something or other? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I, I must be mistaken. You know, no. I'm, just, I'm still waiting for that H.P. Lovecraft movie. Uh, he's talking about. So. It would I'm waiting so for his Haunted Mansion movie. I'm waiting for Silent Hills. Hmm. <laughs> Really? I'm still waiting for her Hellboy 3. So yeah. I think I do I win? Do Wait, I win this? You got you got a third Hellboy movie. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you did. Yeah. yeah. And I want to correct go back and correct myself. I had I think said the last week or a couple weeks ago that Clone Wars had had their Caesar series finale. I was wrong. It was not their series finale. Their series finale was on May the 4th and it was epic and I definitely recommend that you watch it. It's basically the last like four episodes were a whole like four part basically movie that like went back to the classic trilogy opening credits and stuff like that. And it was really, really well done and very, very cinematic and brought back some familiar faces. I will get into that. I, once you told me to look for an episode order, I started hunting down and th- there are, there are differing opinions on it. So <laughs> going to have to figure out how did, I think I'll just download everything and then watch it in one of those orders at some point, at some yeah. point. Yeah. Good plan. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move on to our Geek of the Week. 
Geek of the Week. This is where we talk about the geekiest thing that we did this week. Mark, what was your geekiest thing that you did this week? Oh, thank God my computer parts finally showed up. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Like, I think we were Paul was sick the... of you bitching about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, I was more worried that he was, like, just fully disso- disassociating and just, like, <laughs> I was going to have to, like, dolls, like a... <laughs> I was going to have to, like, roll him into the bathtub just to get the stink off or something like that after he just decided to lie down, like, Radiohead just style in the hallway or something like that. Just like on the stairs. Just, like, flop on the stairs <laughs> yeah just sit down and never get back up again <laughs> yeah kind of, it was it was like probably like another week away from that just let me just caving in like that yeah absolutely as as somebody who has has my fucking whole like rig set up in a hotel What's room on? like fucking dual monitors and all i feel you yeah see <laughs> like you guys understand you understand yeah, yeah it was a, it was a harrowing week but yeah we got it i got it together everything came like literally i think we recorded last friday if i'm not mistaken and then yeah. like i bitched about it like to high heaven on geek of the week that i didn't have them and like the next day they showed up so yeah basically like this week has been kind of reassembling everything and reinstalling everything and getting back up and running and blah 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 so i'm very happy i would like to point out that the package arrived um while mark was in the shower and i had headphones in because i was working out so yeah barely heard the the worst the worst possible time the only time in the whole day where we would not have opened the door yeah, and that's when it happened. Yeah, God bless you, UPS. Even when you're doing the right thing, you just can't quite get it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just barely, barely got the package at the end of it anyway. But either way, yeah, everything's here. It's a nice like Core i7 machine now with like 64 gigs of RAM, and I put a 2060 in there just to kind of wait out the uh, the 3000 series NVIDIA cards coming out probably this year. So I went a little low end so that I go high end shortly, and then what else did I got to do in there? The only thing, other thing I have want to do is put an NMV, uh, the NVMe SSD drive in there because it's got the two ports on the chipset for mm-hmm. it, and that would speed up my I/O quite a bit. So I'll be doing that. Is that just like a sort of secondary processor buffer or something like that? Or? No, no, no. It's it's like an SSD. It actually okay. it's an SSD that plugs directly into the motherboard, okay. so it's, it runs at PCIe speeds as opposed to ah. through the SATA interface. So like quadruples its output and i'm like that would be i think that would be worth a worthwhile performance enhancement for the amount of guts i put in this machine so yeah that is on the list but everything else is running windows is running creative clouds installed i can do edits properly now which is also quite nice so uh, i was basically the first thing i did with the machine was edit last week's episode so congratulations all right tim what's your geek of the week so if anybody hasn't uh seen yet andy circus did something pretty cool uh today as we're recording this actually he did a live stream where he read the hobbit basically just him like doing an armchair reading of the hobbit and doing voices and everything from start to finish over like about i think it was like about 11 or 12 hours total starting at about like well uh like 5 a.m eastern time today and so i I sat down and it was it was done for charity like it was a a national health service uh chair charity fundraiser and they made like 275 thousand pounds or something like that for it so just awesome and uh yeah so this morning sort of as i started work i watched a couple hours of that i just it was really fun just listening to i mean andy circus is a super talented voice actor you know and so just 
even just like having it on in the background kind of thing and just listening to him go through and do his take on Gandalf and Bilbo and, and Bayorn and different characters was, was really neat. So, uh, and I think that the, that that stream is still up and available. So, Oh, maybe not. Uh, I think it's been set to private now. So it looks like they might've not archived it. I would be surprised if it doesn't resurface. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's copyright issues or something, but <laughs> so, someone's probably pirated that stream somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it is an underrated pleasure to have someone like reading to you in real time. Like it's, I, audiobooks are a thing I know, but like just having someone read to you or reading out loud, like really changes your experience. When I remember when I was in eighth grade, instead of making us read, the old man in the sea our teacher read it to us and everybody oh, enjoyed nice. it that much more you know like yeah. it really makes a difference when you engage with the text that way so yeah. i am a big proponent for that so good job andy circus love that my only regret is that i came in like for those familiar with the chapters of the book i came in in like out of the frying pan into the fire which is just after riddles in the dark which is the only oh. only chapter in the hobbit where Gollum appears and so I didn't get to see like Andy Serkis do his Gollum voice uh, reading you know reading Tolkien's actual text rather than like I mean the script how they adapted that scene into the uh, movie was very close to the book but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you know 100% faithful or whatever so so I do hope that I can find a stream and I I don't usually do like books on tape or like you know dramatic readings or that kind of thing but this one just struck me and I also like the idea like one of the things that has been helping me feel more connected to the larger community is participating in stuff like that, where you know that there's, in that case, like thousands of other people that are experiencing it in real time along with you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was that was kind of nice to yeah make me feel a little less isolated. Yeah, for sure. All right. My Geek of the Week is the last time I'm going to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield because I've put the game down. (laughs) Sure it is. Mark the calendar, folks. Mark the calendar. May 8th. (laughs) So I finally finished the post-game storyline. I have put in... It took me exactly 20 hours to finish Pokemon Sword and Shield minus collecting all the Pokemon for the Pokedex, which I don't feel like doing and I'm not going to do it. So fuck it. It was bafflingly bad. The climax of the story was a series of still images with no music to it, <laughs> with just like text boxes floating on top. It that was... also sounds kind of like what we are going to be talking about tonight. A bunch of uh, weird scenes that have that don't have any sound over them that feel like they should. Uh, sometimes, but we'll talk about <laughs> it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, so... Like, I cannot reiterate enough that I cannot recommend Pokemon Sword and Shield to anybody. It's just... <laughs> It is so lazy and bad, but I got through it. I struggled through it, finally. And uh, it is basically 20 hours of content that is poorly animated and kind of poorly programmed for 80 bucks. Don't do it. Just don't do it. So, yeah, that's my Geek of the Week. My anti-geek cred or something. (laughs) Just like... Negative cred. Yeah, negative cred, (laughs) Pokemon series, goddammit. Yeah, he's been he's been going on about this like all fucking week. It's yeah. Are you ready for him to go back to South Korea yet? I'm 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 not going to say it out loud, but sure, why not? Me too, Mark. Me too. All right. So now we will move on to our meat of the episode: Cyberpunk Mutant Arm Meat. Yes. So I have made 
my co-hosts watch anime again because <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling I was feeling a little spicy. And in honor of the 4K re-release of Akira, I decided to make them watch the seminal 1988 anime sci-fi classic, which is still to this day is seen as one of like the great milestone films for animation, for Japanese animation, for animation period, animation as not just for kids in the medium. This is right at the, right before the Disney Renaissance, actually. Yeah. This was released. So kind of a weird time in animation's history where things were kind of in an in-between place. And then the, like anime went in one direction real hard and uh, Disney went in another. And then they eventually could converge when Ghibli got really popular. So, yeah. yeah. So we're watching, we watched Akira, um, Akira, or however you want to pronounce it. We're going to... You probably guys just going to say Akira. Yeah, you just do what you need to do. <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to police your pronunciation today. So let's talk about, have you guys seen this before? When was the last time you've seen it? If you had seen it at all before, let's start with Tim. What's your history with Akira? I mean, Akira is one of the few animes that I actually have seen before, you know, just because, like, I heard, you know, how influential it was, how, ma- how you know, massive it was. And uh, so, but it's probably, I think I've only watched it once before this, and it was, like, 15-plus years ago. That being said, like, I didn't remember a huge amount of the story points and stuff like that, but I did have these images, like certain just imagery in my mind from the movie. So like, it's definitely left a lasting impression on me, which is for me, not being an anime fan at all is saying a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah. How about you, Mark? I saw it like probably when they first started releasing it over here, because I like animation stuff. So it would have been something I would have looked at back then but i've seen it a couple times because i'm sure we i think we studied it in school at one point for some reason or another or maybe i brought it up in school and watched it at that point because of the animation side of stuff and then yeah but i hadn't seen it probably in a decade or so uh on this rewatch and this print looks fucking real pretty so like if you haven't seen it in a while definitely go out of your way to get this new remaster because it looks really good in 4k uh when we watched it the other day so yeah so um- for me, this is like a regular rewatch for me. Like every couple of years, I will watch this yes. again because it's just like one of those seminal sci-fi things, kind of like rewatching Blade Runner or Ghostbusters or whatever. It's just like kind of sci-fi comfort food for me, even though it is really bleak. Um, I still <laughs> yeah. enjoy. I still enjoy watching it just to look at the pretty pictures, and I enjoy these characters a lot. So it's something that I come back to pretty frequently. And I think I watched it first when I was probably way too young to do so on some late night space channel anime feature. Mm. They used to do, I think they used to do Friday or Saturday night anime stuff. Because I remember seeing like Midnight on the Galactic Railroad and like stuff on Friday nights or Saturday nights late. Watching like a lot of like classic anime from the 80s and 90s that were like films. So I think that was probably the first place I saw it. And then probably renting it as well from That's Entertainment in St. Catharines and getting <laughs> looks from people, having to get my mom to rent the No, come on, everything. mom. Come on. Why would you not? You got older brother to do it. You always well, you got me to rent it for you. Not always, because I would ask mom to, because every anime series, whether it would be child or That's adult. That's right. They were R for. They were 
triple X actually. That's uh, right. Oh, really? and, that's right. Yeah. yeah even like right. Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. And I had to explain <laughs> to my mom, actually, this is made for kids and or and young adults. Akira, and not so much. Akira, yeah, not, Akira so not, much. not so much. <laughs> but I still I, I still conned my way to get in that one. So that was fine. It worked out pretty well. I think I, I softened the blow with like Dragon Ball and Fushigi Yugi first. And then I went on for Akira later. This is also like taking into consideration our parents never really cared what we watched growing they up really like, didn't yeah like we watched i i'd seen i saw terminator when i was like eight or some yeah. shit so i like, watched pop fiction with mom in the room when i was like 11 or 12 so yeah <laughs> she made me close my eyes one time during the the pawn shop rape scene and that was like it i was yeah i was gonna say that uh, that, that was it yeah. yeah and she's all like okay close your eyes and then you can look again after what, what during the violent part wait like she had seen the yeah. movie already and was letting you watch it i guess so Nice, she nice. Want, That's mom. You want want you to see Ving Rhames getting railed by a guy in a gimp mask? Yeah, because it would have warped you into that kind of life. <laughs> Wait, I know, right? Whoops! <laughs> Sexual deviant, you? Me? What? No. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, so uh, speaking of like indelible images and plot and things like that, I'm gonna do the Mark challenge with. Uh, and have one of you summarize this plot for me. Go for it. Somebody, who's going to do it? Tim's got to do it, because like it's just going to be hilarious. Because <laughs> I've seen this like six times. I know the plot of this movie, so like, that's not fun. Tim, yeah. Tim's got to do it. Well, I mean, it's set in 1980. Well, it starts out in 1988, and this giant fucking mushroom cloud just obliterates Tokyo. And I guess we're supposed to, at the start, feel like it's an atom bomb, but it ends up being a kid. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in the very futuristic year of 2019, yeah, <laughs> all of 31 years later, an entirely new city has been built nearby called Neo Tokyo that is like basically fucking Blade Runner on steroids. Yeah, it's you know like fucking neon cyberpunk, fucking like heaven or hell, whatever you want to, like, you want to see it. Yeah. It is probably the most beautiful sight of like cyberpunk hell you could ever get like it's the best drawn cyberpunk hell you'll ever see yeah. <laughs> at that point probably because it is it's also beautifully drawn at that so but it's yeah. also like clearly someplace where there's like a lot of inequity there's like a lot oh, yeah. of uh you know there's there's uh seems to be a lot of people that are like poor and destitute and living sort of in the in the dregs of of this society and that have kind of been left behind it including this group of orphans maybe i don't know this group of kids who just don't seem to have parents none of the fucking kids in this movie seem to have parents mm -hmm. for some reason they're just wards of the state or some shit i don't know maybe they never really explain it <laughs> yeah they're and of as all teenagers that have no visible form of employment they all have very fancy motorcycles yep and <laughs> and uh ride around and uh like they're seemingly sort of vigilantes fighting this group of biker clowns because that's apparently a thing mm -hmm. that are that are bad but those are bad biker bikers the, yeah. as opposed to the good bikers he's saying this with the snide shit we just watched batman which literally had a <laughs> gang of clouds in it last week yeah <laughs> and tim defended that movie yeah, that's so. tim burton i expect that shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should have 
This evil is- clowns is a thing you should expect from anime too. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a- they love that. They love it. Yeah. To be fair, this is a biker gang with a clown motif and not full on clowns. Just so we're clear about that. Yes, but yes, yeah. Yes. They are called the clowns, and the uh, the the vigilante group that are our protagonists are the the capsule gang. That's why they have the pills on the back uh, of their okay. their jackets. Of which course. I don't think they actually say in the movie, but it's in the manga. Anyway, continue, gotcha. Tim. Go for it. Uh, and uh, and one of these kids uh, who seems to be so- somewhat sort of like the the tag along, uh, whose name is Tetsuo, he like almost runs into a kid on his bike, but the kid is magic and also a mummy apparently, <laughs> and <laughs> he's this little shriveled up kid that's just walking around and uh, wrecks Tetsuo's bike, and then the government quote-unquote, they, the government, comes and picks them up and takes Tetsuo to a secret facility and finds out that he has secret psychic powers, of course, mm-hmm. and that apparently somehow match the secret psychic powers of this mythical Akira creature that we learn later is what actually blew up Tokyo in 1988. And... Yeah, and then Tetsuo has these fucking powers, and he doesn't know what to do with them, and he goes crazy and starts fucking, like, just massacring people. Let's fucking be honest. Yeah. Like, goes on an absolute fucking rampage, and yet everybody's still like, oh, we need to save Tetsuo. It's like, no, you need to fucking kill Tetsuo. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Uh, But there's also these other creepy fucking, like, old old man kids that are helping him out as well and there's also this sort of uh, i don't even know there's these what ryu and k and i don't even know what fucking their organization is or really like what freedom fighters and right? all this yeah. yes oh sure they're they're independence fighters because yes this is all happening in the midst of like a, a shadow revolution kind yeah. of thing yeah uh yeah they're trying to like over or overthrow this like tyrannical government or something like that because yeah. there wasn't enough already fucking going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then they go and and try and rescue tetsuo but instead tetsuo just fucking wrecks everything and then he goes to the the he goes to the the tokyo olympics that just got canceled yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we actually were, we were joking about that when we were watching it. Yeah, and apparently we totally were they were canceled because fucking Tetsuo just wrecked the goddamn stadium. Yeah, yeah. like totaled the stadium. <laughs> Looking yeah. for the corpse of a child underneath yeah, yeah, the then, stadium. As you do. Yeah, as you do. But, that uh, that ended up just being little tiny pieces of, of a child corpse. So, you know, that's got to be disappointing. In different, in separate <laughs> jars. So you know that they took good care in separating him yeah know? yeah exactly and, the, and apparently indestructible jars too because like those things get thrown the fuck around and they never break mm-hmm. those little those little well, akira jars if the jar that akira is contained in wasn't indestructible would you not be upset at whoever made the jars that's containing the demon child's like essence or whatever is it is it like, a I, demon is it a savior i don't is know it an angel is it like i think it's i don't, I don't know. know that's the whole point it's <laughs> yeah. basically he's supposed i think they're basically superheroes like they're just people with enhancements or like they're mutants or whatever so yeah, yeah. well and yeah because they're they're in the manga i think they're called espers like espers yes. and yes. They, they, so they have extrasensory perception but in much like in the marvel universe that is like the the catch-all term for telepath slash telekinetic in japanese culture so if you yeah. have any type of psionic power you are an esper so that's uh, okay yeah 
Uh, and yeah, so Tetsuo just fucking wrecks Neo Tokyo and then goes out and wrecks uh, this this uh, Olympic Stadium and then finds these little frozen pieces of Akira underneath it. And then he just fucking goes nuts because he didn't get his pills. And uh, his friend Kaneda, who we haven't really talked about yet, but he's he's one of the members of that capsule get biker gang. And he's like Tetsuo's sort of older brother kind of character, you know, best friend kind of thing. Comes in and shoots his friend. Oh, no, he doesn't shoot his friend's arm off. He tries to shoot his friend. But instead, a satellite blows Tetsuo's yeah. arm off. And Tetsuo is like, fuck this. I'm going to make a metal one instead because he's got psionic powers. But then that doesn't go so well because then it like mutates into some like weird gelatinous. I mean, it's like tentacle porn basically at that point because uh, yeah. it's anime and we can't not have tentacle porn. And uh, then his whole fucking body just goes like idiot. Goopy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like goopy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. He turns into like a giant, giant, creepy baby thing and kills his girlfriend. And almost kills Kaneda and almost kills a bunch of other people. What's a couple more at this point, really? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> but then the the other creepy kids bring back Akira, and then the Akira and his weird creepy friend, little little old people friends, uh, they like stop Akira from destroying all of Nia. Well, no, he still does. He fucking re- still wrecks most of Neo Tokyo, but he doesn't like atomize it. I guess. Yeah. Is is the saving grace? Yeah. He <laughs> and I guess he creates a pocket universe where he becomes God at the end of it, and then maybe it's again not it's not a, really explained. It's not super clear, but yeah. it's also like, you're kind of supposed to extrapolate. And uh, but uh, Kaneda survives, and K yeah. survives, so that's cool. Yeah, Kaneda. Yeah, Kaneda and and his and his love interest that he won't leave alone which is kind of problematic uh yeah they, they nice ride guys are but like yeah exactly uh sort of sort of ride they ride off into like the into the sunset which is actually a fucking just destroyed city and yeah. ha- happy ending yeah. <laughs> that, pretty good yeah that's pretty much sums it up i mean like there are, yeah tetsuo's descent into madness is like a good two-thirds of the movie mm-hmm. and yeah. it just like like you feel for the guy but you also are like you're a little fucking asshole too for a lot of <laughs> yeah. it so all right let's get into it then what did we should we start with gripes no start with like and then let's we'll start with likes yeah what do we like about this movie because i have a lot to like about this movie. i don't even have a ton of gripes about this movie so like i don't i don't really know where that goes but um this movie like it's visually it's still like one of the best looking animated movies i've ever seen I do quite like watching it in terms of like the illustration quality and just like how good, except for the faces. I have some problems with the faces, but like, yeah, that's anime. Yeah. It's very like eighties anime too. It's kind of what I think gets me like they've modernized a little bit more now. Like when you see Castlevania and stuff, you don't have those kind of weird frumpy looking faces anymore or not as much anymore. Yeah. It's just a stylistic choice. It's a style thing. Yeah, absolutely. But like everything else in this movie is just like above like reproach in terms of design and like, quality of the animation and stuff like that like this is the kind of stuff that makes it hard for me to watch like saturday morning cartoons because i'm like it can be that good <laughs> yeah. you know if, so, if you actually spent the money yeah and, and didn't animate this over a weekend yeah well that's like that's and it's my argument against stuff like the dc animated movies a lot of the time where i'm like yeah. i like like i like i wish they were just i just wish they took a little bit more time and made them because like i know how good they could look if they spent the money especially now with like how much cheaper i mean hand animation is kind of rough like they don't do this kind of stuff anymore yeah. but quality animation should be a lot easier in 2020 than it was in 1988 and yet we still don't seem to see anything like anything that comes close to this these days anymore so i mean it's all the the 3d stuff obviously is beautiful that we get now but it's not 
the same like stylistically for me as the uh, the old hand drawn 2D cells and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. and no, I mean not even not even just the the animation itself, but like the fucking background art is just beautiful. Oh yeah, like, like the, the map paintings and everything are just so like detailed and vibrant and yeah, like really 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 pretty and and also yeah. just like very graphic for an anime but like in a very sort of stylized way like some yeah. really brutal graphic deaths that are shown 100% and like a lot of the stuff in terms of showing the psychic powers like Tetsuo's like powers where he's like making spheres of yeah. four, like four spheres or whatever kind of thing around him like some of that the way that that is animated is really like visually some of the most powerful stuff for me yeah, yeah. And just the, I don't know if it's just the, I think it is just this particular rip of the movie that this 4K remaster is just the colors are so rich and vibrant. Even when things are kind of dark, shadowy, underground, it still feels so rich. Like mm-hmm. the detail, you don't lose the detail in the dark scenes. Like it no. still feels so, like there's so much work put, put into every single cell. It's just so sumptuous to look at. I really yeah. enjoyed. I'll I'll go on the record and say I did not actually watch the 4K rip because like for our listeners I'm living in a fucking hotel right now and I don't want to download like a 30 gigabyte rip on like shitty yeah. hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, and plus I only have like a 25 inch screen to watch it on too. So like I just downloaded like a 720 or like 1080 rip or something like that. And even on that like you know which probably isn't this remaster still looked amazing and like colors were really fucking vibrant and everything. They've taken a lot of care. I I think that the this is one of those movies where they understand how beloved it is and mm. the the creators when they like upgrade it every 10 years or so they really take a lot of care into putting a nice package out which i appreciate like they, they don't half-ass it which is yeah wonderful well, it's, it's it's had a criterion release as well which yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of animation that and not a lot of anime that gets i don't even know if there's been any other anime that's gotten criterion releases i'm not sure no. but uh possibly but i don't think so maybe like a ghibli or something like that right maybe yeah ghibli maybe or or maybe Satoshi Kon, something like Paprika or Perfect Blue or something like that. Got it. But either way. Yeah. Animation. Gorgeous. The voice acting. I love the voice acting in this. Like, especially um, Kaneda, Tetsuo, and Kay. Like, the main cast. Very distinctive voices. As they're screaming back and forth at each other. It's like, if you don't hear it in those voices, it's... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. You'll be happy to know I watched it in... I, I did subs, not dubs this time. Yeah, Congratulations! Boy, yeah. <laughs> did, you did the right thing because the Japanese voice cast really knocked it out of the park. And part of it was like, I, I actually looked at like the English dubbing like cast and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are, so there's no point in me you know, even trying the, the dub. Yeah. One of the problems with this dub in particular, actually, which I, I read up on, was that the, the way that the mouths move is very like accurate. it's very it's very accurate to the japanese text actually and you can see it when you're watching the movie yeah so i'd imagine animating or like or dubbing doing, over that was really yeah, difficult yeah uh, dubbing over that was apparently like impossible because of how like yeah. super close they got the mouth animations like they spent the time rotoscoping mouth animations for this movie so yeah, yeah. because they uh, normally they have the japanese mouth flaps which yeah. um, are really easy to <laughs> dub over yeah dub over well or dub over badly depending on which anime you're talking about but uh this one they just kind of it's just better with subtitles like i don't think any dub of this movie has really 
done it justice. And this is a very particularly Japanese film. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah. See, I, I found it actually... And this is probably one of the reasons I can stomach it a little better than I can stomach a lot of anime. Is I find this pretty Western for an anime. Yeah. Like it, it in both in terms of content and in terms of style. Like obviously it owes like a huge fucking debt to shit like Blade Runner. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like it has that neon mega city dystopia cyberpunk feel, which you know, like I said, it just like takes Blade Runner and like cranks it up to like fifteen. Yeah. This is Blade um, Runner on steroids when you have like the most talented Japanese animators on the planet going after the Blade Runner aesthetic, and they don't have the limit of sets or special effects or anything like that. It's just like, hey, what can come out of your brain and get poured into paint? And yeah, yeah it's craziness, right? Like, mm-hmm. so. But then, like the the character designs and the character animations, for me at least, that seem to avoid a lot of those like exaggerated character features and those like weird archetypes. Like when we watched Mononoke. Mononoke, and you have that like fucking creepy little monk dude who's like just yes. that so grotesque caricature, like gargoyle. Like, there's none of that sort of really, you know, distracting kind of fucking out of left field shit. That and that's often Except what makes for it the really... little baby old people. Yeah, but that's plot point stuff. Like that's plot. But, yeah, that's true. Too. Like, it's, yeah. they actually write that in and like explain it as like, what are they? polio survivors or like something like that <laughs> well yeah. it's whatever the, the they make, they make a that crack they about it to, to uh control their psychic powers and keep them uh, from experiencing yeah. pain is what advances which took me a while age. but eventually yeah you figure that out because yeah, i think tetsuo mentioned something about it like yeah yeah you just want to give me those pills and like i'll end up all shriveled up like they are or something yeah like that. yeah yeah but yeah, I mean, th- that sort of stuff that I know I mentioned when we uh, watched Mononoke uh, is the stuff that sort of really makes it more, makes anime less accessible to me. Yeah. And so, like, there were still points, you know, where I felt here where there were some things I was missing, like some bits of cultural history. And since I'm not as familiar with, like, the tropes of familiar of Japanese storytelling and history and that sort of thing, but I definitely was able to appreciate and I think absorb more of this than i was mononoke yeah Uh, the things that are particularly japanese are i think things now that are pretty understandable to western culture i mean like particularly kaneda and tetsuo's relationship which is very much owes itself to that kind of like confucianist age-related respect culture Mm. where he talks about the way that they speak to each other like in one scene where uh Tetsuo is going after the espers. He calls Kaneda Kanechan, which is a like a diminutive form that you would usually use to speak to someone much younger, younger than okay. you. Like it's a cutesy yeah. suffix. Like chan is usually used for like younger siblings or whatever. And so, is it san, san that's re- used for like respect or whatever? Yeah, san yeah. would be or and if someone's your equal, you might call them chan if it's a girl or kun but in this particular instance he's like clearly calling kaneda lower than him mm-hmm. and in an age-based respect culture that is a huge insult so that's like a and the bizarrely corrupt and inept government agency thing that is just now very 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 recognizable to us in the west i guess was like a particular problem in japan around the time that this was being made and a little bit before when they're talking about the prime minister's like failed tax reform that like plummeted the city into the problem that it is besides the like the 
Akira catastrophe. Oh boy. Yeah, now <laughs> now we get it. <laughs> it's a little close to home. I mean, honestly, I, th- I think I might take this version of 2019 over the current version of 2020 that we have at this point. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. post fucking Tetsuo just wrecking that city. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. But yeah, that being said, the world, in, because of that level of believability, even with all the espers and shit, still feels really real and really cool. And they were like, I love this world in particular. I love Neo Tokyo. I love looking at it. I love living in it for the two hours that the the movie runtime is on. It's just like the atmosphere, the music, the animation, the characters all together just kind of work for me really well. Yeah, the score is actually really excellent in this too. It's got that yeah. nice like Blade Runner kind of techno vibe to it. And I'm like, I was I'm on board the whole time. Especially some like interesting sound choices too, like stuff where I was like, "Is there something wrong with my system? Like, what is going on?" Oh, yeah, where they just where they just cut it out entirely, just yeah, which which is not something that happens very often these days. No, they usually have some kind of like silence noise where they have like a white noise, like the keys you did think they're being silence, but it's never just like, "Oh, nothing's coming out of those channels anymore." And they do that a lot. It's very effective. To kind of like get you to be like, wait, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, yeah, it, is- it makes oh. you sit with whatever feeling you're feeling at the moment, which yeah. usually is like an existential dread that's happening. <laughs> there's something really yeah. horrible going on at some point, like birth of a pocket universe to so that your best friend has somewhere to die or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's weird, kind yeah. of like, ah, ah, yeah. what the fuck is going on? And then they'll, they'll just let you sit with it. It definitely heightens the impact in those scenes where they, and some of those scenes at least where they, they just cut out the audio and yeah, where yeah. especially like t- ones where like, there's some where like, I feel like, wait, there's shit going on right now that's, like, major. I should be hearing something right now. But clearly they're wanting me to, like, really lean in and pay close attention to, you know, more of the microcosm rather than the chaos that's going on around kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So anything else that you guys want to point out that you really liked about the movie? (sighs) The, The whole idea, again, they don't ever, like, really totally tell you what Akira is, but, like, I like Kay's sort of explanation of it. Like it's, it, her explanation is pretty high concept where it's some manifestation of the inherent energy of the universe. Like it's a, it's a collective unconscious memory, like not just of humanity, but like all living things on earth have been generating this. I mean, it's kind of like the force, right? If you fucking yeah. think about it, right. You know, it flows through all living things and then, these are just these espers and, and Akira and Tetsu in particular just have the ability to channel just fucking unheard of amounts of it. Yeah. They've skipped this step in the evolutionary chain is yeah. the, the, uh, kind of the way that she explains it where like the, she makes the analogy of what if an amoeba had the power of people, you know, right. like that, that access to that collective memory, unconscious power. And mm-hmm. Uh, if people skipped that many steps up the evolutionary chain, you get Akira potentially. And so, yeah. And then you also get the bend of it as like, like an urban legend, like almost like a modern folk hero as well. Cause you have like that sort of cult that's worshiping Akira and everything too. So, yeah, which we will talk about a little bit in terms of some of my gripes. But if you guys, uh, you guys have anything else that you want to talk about in terms of likes? Uh, no, I think we've kind of covered. Well, I mean, just I like I mean, I 
I have a big soft spot for Cold War science fiction, and this is very obviously like late Cold yeah. War sci-fi. That's actually, I wrote my undergrad uh, thesis on Cold War science fiction, and um, I sort of like picked uh, an example from each time. And for anybody that's listening to the podcast for a long time knows that I have a massive soft spot for uh, the old Firestorm comics that came out in the 80s, like again, in the late stages of the Cold War. And there's so much here that like bears you know massive similarities to that, where it's, you know, there's still some concern that there's less of the concern over like Russians are infiltrating our society kind of thing, but there's obviously still that uh, reluctancy to embrace nuclear technology because obviously, you know, these, the Akira's first manifestation looks very much like an atom bomb kind of thing. So yeah, that, yeah. that I, I really liked. I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's, and with this being said in Japan, there's obviously like the Hiroshima, uh, quote unquote fallout kind of thing that the mm-hmm. cultural fallout that goes along to that too. Absolutely. And I mean, even like there's like the kids you could look at as like, you know, disfigured mutants kind of thing. And especially fucking what Tetsuo ends up being yeah. is, is, you know, very, very much be considered like, you know, a radiation, an effect of radiation kind of mutant mutation or something. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to bring up in terms of likes as well is like the character development in this story and the way that it reacts to like society at large. Because a lot of these, because society in this particular state is in a, like, if not in a state of full depression, then like on the brink of a collapse clearly or post collapse or something there's clearly massive massive like wealth inequity and and class inequity and yeah for sure yeah and the way that i used to think when i was growing up that tetsuo's uh and kaneda's relationship was kind of petty and that their relationship of like trying to one-up each other and uh tetsuo's major inferiority complex towards kaneda was kind of whatever but i kind of get it now and that that's like everything around in the world is too big for them to understand and that kind of their connection is kind of all they really get and all they kind of live for and so when you start throwing all this sci-fi shit into the mix it really it just got kind of boils down to hey you think you're better than me don't you and i i kind of love that the way that it uh culminates at the end of the movie so yeah uh with that being said, let's move on to the things that we didn't like about the movie because we have to gripe, and it's we are on the internet after all. So, Mark, gripes? Any gripes? I, I'm trying to think of something that like I really dislike about this movie. This is one of those movies that I like I like a lot, and I don't think I have a ton of stuff to gripe about. It's like we were talking about. I think it's interesting because Tim was talking about like how he finds it. This is one of those like animes that he finds very easy to like digest, in that. I just think that's probably because it's backfed itself back into our stuff so yeah. much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything in this movie is now a comic book trope, but it all kind of started here. Like a lot of this, like the distrust of the government stuff was like, didn't happen as much, you know, in the, like maybe it happened more in the seventies and eighties, but like it became that like dark secret government agency in the nineties. And that kind of happened after this movie. And like the superpowered kids kind of thing was like, that's common, but, really showing like the the horrific consequences of superpowers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You didn't really see that in comic books. You see that in this movie. This is like the ultimate answer for why we don't want superpowered people on our actual right. earth. Cause it's like a horrifying fucking event to happen to your society. Right. We were talking about this while we were watching it a little bit where we were talking about how this is a deconstruction of something like Superman or any of the other superheroes that were popular in Japan or America back then. But it was a deconstruction that 
didn't really it had some obvious analogies to like when Tetsuo puts on the red cape and things like yeah. that but it's not super hitting it over your head that it is a deconstruction of superhero stuff yeah it's also very much the nature versus uh, nurture sort of side of that story as yeah. well where you know he obviously comes from a depressed background and like a you know a, a lower class background kind of thing whereas like you look at people like I mean, you know, Clark Kent, there, there have been stories that have shown, like, what if that rocket landed in Russia or, you know, in Gotham or all these other sorts of places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of what makes Superman what he is is his upbringing. And obviously, yeah. and maybe that's part of it here and, and why we never fucking see any of their parents, if they ever had parents, Yeah, is, you know, we're supposed to feel like, hey, you know, if you leave society behind, leave, leave the, the most vulnerable people of your society behind and something like this happens they get you know get access to to power then you don't then they fucking rise up and and will just destroy your society yeah and i find that they do a good job of doing that in this film like showing what that that fallout looks like but in case our uh, readers are not our readers our listeners are not aware <laughs> readers please don't read our, our podcast yeah don't yeah. read our podcast <laughs> All the writer is still uh, misremembering what format we're using here. So. Yeah, um, I was thinking, I was saying readers because this is a six-volume manga series originally. Yeah. It is uh, there's a lot of text that got condensed into a two-hour film. Like they cut out a lot of stuff and kind of like so they have a few moments of exposition where things are kind of like weirdly explained, and I find that exposition scientist the guy that looks like um dr wiley or dr i was gonna say he looks like dr wiley yeah (laughs) Yeah. he in particular has these moments where he'll say something like they've created a universe and it's kind of like how did you know that and why did you say that and how did you come to that conclusion and who are you talking to (laughs) yeah he's clearly like reacting to like the the weird spinning thing that shows the the sound melody of their particular power signatures and stuff it's very yeah. sci-fi where you have that like it's star trek right where yeah. like they can't necessarily show you the thing because either the effect costs too much or it's such a nebulous concept that like how do you explain it visually right and you've got like some of the best artists on the planet yeah trying to figure out like how do we show this concept visually and they're like you don't you just have somebody fucking explain it yeah because like nobody knows how to draw that like you know what i mean like whatever yeah. they're talking about um, but yeah, they have they do they lean on that a lot, especially at the end, to explain kind of what's going on as just like zany, cool looking anime explosions happen. Yeah. Like it's just destruction, animated destruction porn. The second half of this movie, and it's so fucking beautiful. I almost forget about the story. But like, <laughs> it's there true. there are points where you're like, yeah, what the fuck? Why is he just explaining to me what's happening? Yeah. Oh right, oh right. Because <laughs> okay. we we have to take this like five thousand page comic book story and turn it into a two-hour movie and we have to like cut out a lot of they cut out a lot of the politics well there's like a whole second half where they're in like a post post post-apocalyptic world and shit like that it's like two-thirds of the manga that's not even like remotely represented in this movie at all right like it's it's a big book so yeah so things i i find that even though like i understand the plot of this film and i've seen it enough times and i know what's going on but i could see how someone especially not familiar with science fiction tropes could find it convoluted and Mm -hmm. like a lot of people see this as a good gateway anime and i wouldn't say that was true for people who aren't fans of genre already 
Like this yeah. is the, yeah. uh, this is a gateway anime for people who are for already sci-fi. fans of genre. Yeah. yeah, this is how you get guys like me and Tim into anime, basically. Yeah, because yeah. like we're like all these tropes that we're seeing on screen. We're like, oh yeah, this is really stuff that we're familiar with, and we're already kind of into. Yeah, and it's drawn better than anything that we get in the West anymore. So like, yeah, for me at least, that's like a sign me up. Yeah, and then we watch this, and we still don't get into anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am like, I I get halfway into it because of Paul. Like, he'll send me certain things that I'll watch, but like, yeah, by and large, it's not like something. He'll explain to me some of the like like day-to-day drama stuff that he watches this <laughs> anime and i'm like why would you watch that as a cartoon and he's like i don't because great <laughs> yeah but- and i'm like all right i won't i can't be bothered to watch like real cartoons anymore and he's watching like slice of life shit that's animated i'm like cool i guess that's i guess it's cool that's yeah. cool well i feel like like as the anime fan among the three of us like i feel like i have the opportunity to curate things for you guys and say like shit i f- think this transcends the genre uh it's better I mean, in, like and then i can like toss it your way and be like hey look at this like look at mononoke yeah. look at this and i'm gonna i know which the, the next anime i'm gonna show you already i've already like written it down because yeah, i think that <laughs> it's gonna be good i think i like it um because it's kind of lynchian but also super sci-fi we'll see we'll see how it goes anyway but it is accessible i think to geek guys i think particularly dudes but i think i could see why women would like it too but particularly dudes and particularly sci-fi dudes already who are already like in the bag yeah. for that shit because i i don't see the appeal for anybody else to be honest <laughs> well no but i mean like yeah that, that'd be like hey do you put somebody who hates sci-fi movies in front of blade runner like no mm-hmm. absolutely not because they're gonna just be like what the fuck's all this zany nonsense happening and yeah, like they get bored. flying cars yeah yeah like, we're, like it's we're, all... we're like watching the screen in awe for like three yeah. hours and they're just yeah. like, well, like when's something gonna happen yeah yeah <laughs> but it's happening now <laughs> exactly. did you not notice that dutch angle it's so yeah. anyway yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah I only have one major gripe, and it is very much from a sort of 2020 perspective, because this movie really does not do a great job with its female characters at all. Ooh. It definitely does not pass the Bechdel test. You know, all the women are only sort of there as accessories to the guys for the most point. Like, K a little bit less so, but still not, has no not particularly dimensional. Yeah, she, yeah, when she gets her moment of badass, she's being possessed by the espers. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, she gets to have the one-on-one battle with Tetsuo, but she's completely it's not actually her. It's not actually her. She's just a yeah. puppet. And yeah. Cowrie, fucking Cowrie. Yeah, like they they fucking fridge Cowrie at the end, basically, and then. Like after earlier, she gets fucking sexually assaulted, and that being that being the only uh, nudity in the movie was jarring feels really well. gratuitous yeah. and, and exploitative for me. Having the only uh, nudity in the movie be like, what is this? I, potentially even like a fucking underage girl, probably. Yeah. She was like fifteen or sixteen, I think. Yeah. yeah, and and have her, you know, just for no like. You know, no reason other than sort of shock value, it seemed like, have her shirt ripped off. So it felt like, yeah, just unnecessary to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I find that uh, the representation of women in general, and the there's only three female characters of any import. One of the Espers, Cowdy, and Kay. Yeah. That would be, like, end of list. And then there's there are other female characters in the manga that have much more to do, but in the the anime they don't get that so unfortunately that's what we're left with and yeah it does leave a 
an unfortunate taste in one's mouth. Japanese society has, you know, long-standing issues with with women, regardless. So, you know, I guess I mean, I mean not, every society does, surprising. but it's yeah. just that this one, this in particular, feels like very much a like a hentai trope. Mm. The the girl getting raped in front of her boyfriend in and like him coming in and being the hero and it's it's just there's something about it that ping there it's it, yeah it just oof. yeah and then she gets crushed by basically mutated body yeah <laughs> that was a lot and yeah. yeah so whereas the the male characters can survive it Kaneda survives it and Ryu survives his like man fucking undulating man flesh yeah. <laughs> Kauri in this um, exists to suffer, and that's unfortunately a trope for Asian women, particularly in media, uh, and yeah. that goes across cultures. Oh yeah, like yeah. Uh, like memoirs of a geisha, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the suffering of Kauri in particular, from because she's only in what like three scenes in the movie, and, it, and yeah. she's a victim in all of them. Yeah. So yeah, I can, that's a big problem. I agree. Yeah. But so with that being said, though, let's let's wrap up because we're getting like past the hour mark and we can make it a short one. Why not? <laughs> sure. So final thoughts, Mark, what's your final thought? Um, you should probably have seen this already if you are <laughs> even remotely a genre fan. But if you aren't like, go fucking see it because it's like it's beautifully animated. Like I, that's the thing that always catches my attention whenever I watch it. And rewatching this new rip of it was really nice because it was it just looks fucking stunning so um as a illustration slash animation nerd this is like yeah this is like a wet dream in terms of just like looking at stuff be animated properly in the old school way with no computer assistance and any of that kind of nonsense so i love and i like the actual story of the movie is something that i quite enjoy even if it's been kind of told and retold a million times now so yeah i I think you should have already seen akita but if you haven't then uh get out there and watch this new rip because it's quite lovely. I'd give it, uh, it's like a 9 out of 10 for me. So mm-hmm. I, I quite like this movie. So Nice. Alright, Tim, how about you? I, if I'm giving this a rating, probably like an 8.5 out of 10, which for me, for anime, is Pretty like, good. Yeah, yeah, fucking high-ass high marks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there's no denying, yeah, like Mark said, like the cultural impact that this has had on on genre, and not just in animation, like this is definitely a seminal work, not just of anime or animation in general, but of like cinema overall, of science fiction overall, for sure. I think there's like, if you could actually look at the two Blade Runner movies, uh, how like like Blade Runner influenced this, and then how this influenced Blade Runner 2049 to go yeah. even more above and beyond what the original Blade Runner did. Like the Blade Runner, like the city in Blade Runner 2049, it's Los Angeles, I think, right? You're supposed to be. Yeah. Anyway, of like Blade Runner 2049 specifically, has so much t- owed to Neo Tokyo. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Also, stuff like like Batman Beyond is a show that we've probably kind of half-heartedly mentioned a couple times on the show, but like its entire design aesthetic is Neo completely Gotham. ripped. The fucking name. Yeah. 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 It's completely <laughs> ripped from this and Ghost in the Shell, basically, right? Like the, the aesthetic yeah. of the that world. So, yeah, this world, like, this world is so, like, I don't know, even if it is, like, Japanese and it's, like, that anime that we kind of go, like, oh, that's over there. It is so much part of everything that we like now. Like Gotham has been influenced by this in even just the real comics now. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, this is a seminal part of not just like cinema, but my childhood as well and my adolescence particularly. And 
it's just a movie that I love going back to again and again. It still holds up for me pretty strongly in terms of content, animation quality, performances. Everything's great. It's a 9.5 for me out of 10. Not a full 10 out of 10. There's still like, there's still some anime tropey stuff that, you know, that as as an anime fan, I'm still kind of like, hmm, not perfect. (laughs) But like, this is one of those movies that I like to show to people to be like, hey, it's not all Dragon Ball people screaming at each other. Although it is a lot of that. Or technical porn, right? Or technical porn. It can be a combination of those things, but really artsy. So, like, try it out. Give it a a shot. Yeah. So, go watch Akira. It's great. So, let's move on to our final stingless segment, which is our geek cred, where we recommend something geeky that we've enjoyed in the past or are currently enjoying. So, let's start with uh, Tim this time. Tim. So I binged uh, a new Disney Plus series uh, this past week. There's only eight episodes of it, but um, it's called uh, Prop Culture. And it's really cool just from like a filmmaking point of view. What it is is this guy who's a movie prop collector that goes around and basically hunts down artifacts from various live action Disney movies. And that's everything from like, you know, what people would really traditionally consider like a Disney movie, like Mary Poppins and stuff like that, or who framed Roger Rabbit to like some of the more fringy kind of like stuff like Tron or uh, what else did they do? Flight of the Navigator. Did you do something like no, that? No, they didn't do Flight of the Navigator. They did do um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, cool. Uh, and they actually yeah. they actually got Rick Moranis to sit down for an interview for Ooh, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, they, and they, they what else they do? Uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, and they got the the three kids to come back okay. and like hold their old weapons and like look at you know look at their old costumes and stuff like that. So, um, and it's really cool because it also sort of takes you into sort of in some cases you get to talk to the prop makers and the designers and stuff like that. So it's a real interesting peek, not only into this like you know, one of a kind collector culture, but also into these people that make, you know, these items that you only see for a few seconds on screen sometime, but, you know, that still are such a big part of the feel and, you know, the, the atmosphere of those movies. And some of these, you know, that are, are like really, you know, fucking like shit, like uh, Mary Poppins was the first one they did. And like the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And like, these are fucking big blockbuster movies you know, that, that had a lot of them had lasting impacts on cinema too. So when they get to Iron Man, you have to let me know. Cause I want to watch that episode. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do the Marvel movies or not. Um, I mean, they haven't touched any of the Marvel or Fox properties yet. So mm-hmm. maybe in season two, we'll see. That'd be cool to see some of the old, if like some of those old props from like, cause they, you know, they planned ahead so much for those movies. Like, did they yeah. save everything after they did Iron Man one and two, or they're like, we might have to shut this shit down. Like just trash it. Yeah. Or well, can we it was, create it? But, and that's the cool part is like when you go back, you know 50 60 years to stuff like mary poppins like or yeah. they did tron as well back yeah. then they're not keeping any of that shit right yeah like you know they're they're at that point there wasn't this whole collector culture that there is now around movie memorabilia so you know they're lucky if they kept like really pivotal pieces and a lot yeah. of them just end up lost you know a lot of them end up destroyed some of them end up just like lost and you know they have no idea who finds them so you're yeah, talking to a Trek fan where these props are the same kind of idea, right? Yeah. Like they're like there's phaser props out there that are like screen used from the 60s show that are worth thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars just because Shatner touched it in 1966 or whatever. But like yeah. nobody knows where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like two of them exist in the world because they were made out of like fiberglass and balsa wood for yeah. like an episode <laughs> of the show and then tossed. And it's like, yeah. 
Man, it's crazy. And that's one of the cool parts is like watching this guy like work kind of, you know, it's it's all probably staged ahead of time, but like he is clearly working some of his contacts yeah. in order to figure out like, hey, you know, I'm kind of looking for something related to Tron. Like, do you know anybody that has anything? And he'll be like, oh yeah, here, come on down and I'll show you. And, you know, a lot of that was probably already also done off screen, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but it's still, it's still cool to see, you know, a little bit of like how that culture works and how they find that shit. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about you, Mark? What's your geek cred for this week? Oh man. Uh, Streets of Rage four came out this week and was free on game pass. And if you, you should give it a shot, if you're like an old school brawler fan, cause it is, it's quite the little piece of art. Just like we were talking about the animation in this and it's like my dream. It's almost like my dream video game. Cause it looks like somebody took comic book cells and animated them in 4k for a beat em up. It's just a beautiful game that also is quite a bit of fun to play. And it's free on Game Pass right now. So if you're an Xbox Game Pass person, you can go get that for nothing because you're already paying for it. Mm. But uh, yeah, Exclusive Rage 4, if you haven't played it, give it a shot. It's uh, like a nice throwback that like, it modernizes the formula a little bit, but it still kind of feels like one of those old 90s brawlers. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I, I had a good week with it this week, basically. So. All right, nice. And oh, also, sorry. Uh, follow me on Instagram, <laughs> mkunderscorebalat, and right. buy prints at blackraingallery.com. Thank you. <laughs> uh, nice. So, I uh, my geek cred for this week is to recommend the Akira manga. Um, go for all six volumes, like just read oh, them because hey, what else are you gonna do? We're still in lockdown, so <laughs> if you need a big project, if you need something like, but you're you don't want to go like full novel series or anything like that like you don't have you don't have the energy for the wheel of time series which some guy on reddit like read the whole thing like front to back when lockdown started poor guy anyway agreed yeah the akira manga takes the film or like i guess the film kind of condensed it into its like main parts but the expansion of that story is really interesting you get a little bit more um, in depth into just how fucked their political system is and why the society ended up the way that it did. So if you're interested in a little bit more of the backstory as to why Neo Tokyo became the way that it became and how that cult uh, around Akira becomes much more influential and you get uh, a lot more with the um, the other, the, the clown biker gang becomes a really important part uh, in the rest of the manga too. So it expands a lot of the stuff. So give it a try if you, especially if you like classic manga, um, it does have a little bit of a different flavor from modern comic books and modern manga too, but it's still an interesting read. So give it a shot. And with that being said, okay. Thank you so much for listening to us ramble on about Akira. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Dance Robot Dance, which you can do via whichever podcatching app you prefer on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you want, give us a rating, a five-star rating, please, and tell everyone how awesome we are. Also, we'd love to hear what you think about Akira, anime in general, whatever you feel like talking about uh, that we talked about this episode. Drop us a line on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. That's where we're most active. On Twitter, at drd underscore podcast. Or email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. So let's sign off. Say goodnight, Tim. Goodnight, everybody. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Say goodnight, Mark. Goodnight, everybody. And I am slowly transforming into a tentacle monster, so I gotta go back. Obviously, I have to kill my brother tonight. Great. Yeah, Wonderful. Oh,